Guru Nation, welcome to episode 401 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I'm actually interviewed uh, by Daniel Regit, who also is known as the CRA Coach, uh, an extremely intelligent and experienced and organized CRA who is now teaching the stress-free lifestyle to other CRAs out there. So I will have a link to his um, website in the show notes. But uh, this was different because I was on the other side of the microphone getting interviewed. So hopefully you find something of value here. It's a little bit different. And uh, I actually interviewed him for a future episode, which you're gonna hear later. Uh, So hopefully you enjoy this one. Let me know what you think. Text me, 949-415-6256. Check out the links in the show notes to my academies, my Patreon channel, which if you wanna talk about building your brand, first of all, Daniel Rikid is in the Patreon group and monthly mastermind that we have. It's only five bucks a month. Check it out in the show notes. It's for building your career, your business brand, your personal development using social media. And again, that monthly mastermind is where a lot of magic has been happening so far this year. So join it. Everything's good. Hopefully you enjoy. Hopefully everything's good with you and uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. Today, I have a very, very special guest uh, on the channel who actually wouldn't need any introduction, I'm pretty sure. But nonetheless, I'm going to introduce to you Dan Sfera. He is the author of the best-selling book on clinical research called The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. I will have a link to the book on Amazon in the description later. He is the co-founder and CEO of DSCS CRO Clinical Research Services. Then he has the website clinicaltrialsguru.com. He runs the CRA Academy, the CRC Academy, and the Site Owner Academy. He has a very well-known YouTube channel in this industry with over 1,700 videos for you to enjoy. He's been blogging since 2010. He uh, has the Clinical Scoop podcast, and he is the owner of several clinical research sites. So without further ado, Dan Sfera. Hi, welcome. How are you, my friend? Good, Daniel. I'm liking that gumball machine back there. I, I, hopefully people can see it when we split the screens, but there's a go- I, those would be gone if it was in my house. I have three kids, and uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I, bu- I bullshit you not, there's like an Amazon bulk 80 bucks of bubble gum in there. <laughs> Do you have to pay quarters to get it? Like That would be good. Yeah, yeah it's a real <laughs> original gumball machine. So That's awesome. Yeah, having three kids, yeah, keep, absolutely. Keeps, they keeps love the it. kids honest, keeps them working. Exactly, exactly. And it also teaches them a valuable lesson about how many quarters, if you save them, you can save <laughs> in a year. Because once a year, we plunder the thing. Ah, good, so, yeah. good idea. I'm, I'm going to have to get me one of those. <laughs> yeah. So, so how you been? I just checked your channel, and the last time we spoke was literally two years ago. Was it that long ago? It seems like it was a few yeah. months ago, honestly. I mean, this yeah. year is, for as chaotic as it's been, it's gone by so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Two absolutely, years, that's, absolutely. A, that's crazy. That's sh- that's a shocker to me. Yeah. So it's, it's good mean, we're doing too. it again. I'm glad we're doing another one. 
Yeah, I thought it would be it would have been like a year, and then I checked and I was like, "Holy cow, it was 2018!" <laughs> and wow, last last. Um, uh, oh yeah, by the way, just a brief heads up. Um, I do have my puppy here. My puppy is a two-year-old, 120-pound mastiff. Uh, in case somebody knocks on the door, we might hear a little puppy going ballistic in the background. Hey, so. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Put that. In. Yeah, so I'm I'm really really happy that you took the time uh, to to join me for a quick call today, and uh, of course I have a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you. You, I don't know if you looked into my channel. My focus is I I more narrow CRA. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, so my audience is CRAs, people that want to be CRAs, and of course with all your experience, especially. From the site perspective, I know you've worked as a CRA, also monitoring, but you kind of know both sides. You know the site side, you know the monitoring side. And I wanted to ask you from a site perspective, what is like the most or what are the most important qualities in a CRA that you enjoy as a site, that you appreciate uh, when a CRA brings them I mean, we start with the most basic of human, in my opinion, human requirements to be a fellow human being is a kindness, just not being a jerk. I mean, that if you can do just that, you're like ahead of, uh, not most, because I've seen a, lot, a huge improvement lately with the CRAs, the, the way they're hiring them. Um, but you're, you're, mm. you're automatically not going to be one of the bad ones. Uh, so I think that's just basic, you know, be kind don't don't go to the site thinking that you're you're like a Gustavo trying to find like you know scaring people with the FDA and that kind of stuff. I've had those kind of monitors when I started, and those tactics mm. they worked. They worked on me because I didn't know any better. But later on, as I started to meet other series, I'm like, this is this person's using fear mongering to get me to be compliant when all I needed was a little bit more handholding because I was new. So mm. I would say that is like the biggest thing. After that really anything goes i mean you know obviously detailed when you're a cra and you're monitoring a site you're helping the site as well even if the site may be busy and not appreciated at the time i'm sure they do appreciate the fact that you're being thorough because at the end of the day what a cra is doing is helping ensure that the site is fda ready if the fda ever decides to come in so i think we're on the same page there um but yeah just be kind and friendly i think that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's so amazing because that's what I always get as feedback from sites. You know, if you look up something, let's say official, some kind of document, it would always be perfectly trained on the protocol, is very familiar with the medical <laughs> indication, and so forth and so on. But what I've always found is exactly what you're saying is just having that humanity you know just. and let me tell you it's not easy like i'm saying this as a site owner and former coordinator one who deals still to this day more on the site side with cra's than me being a cra but like you said earlier i'm a contract cra so i do have three sites that i'm mo- four sites i monitor right now for three different studies and look sometimes i gotta take my own advice i mean it's not that i'm a jerk i'm naturally a nice person uh, but sometimes I have a deadline or something that's urgent and I may not, I may come across like, um, you know, like I'm demanding maybe. So I have to put myself in check 
sometimes too. So I know if I'm aware of it and even I'm doing it and I'm naturally inclined to be a little more on the friendly side, I know that for some CRAs, this is a real challenge. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know, I mean, CRAs are always kind of, well, a lot of positions in clinical operations are, but CRAs too are kind of like in between and they get the pressure from project management, team leads, like you say, timelines, deadlines. Yeah. That is one of the challenges as a CRA. I mean, when your employer, in my case, I'm a contractor, so they're they're my client, right? Like the person who pays me is my client. So I'm mm-hmm. really helping them achieve what they need. And if it's, the, you know, I mean, it's natural economic incentives. If they're asking me to do something and I know I'm bugging the site, but I'm being paid to do that. I got to try to do it in a way like try to bring out my soft skills. And it's not always easy because sometimes you're in a rush. You don't have time for soft skills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I'm just thinking back and I mean, something that I would use usually as a technique in those situations is kind of like shifting the blame to the sponsor or yeah. to project management and say, you know, they here gave us this timeline and so I forth. I did plenty and so of that, but you know what? Yeah. They shoot the messenger a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't your or my idea, you know, a deadline. So, yeah. You're just being honest, you know, it's coming from here. We have this pressure. Um, there is kind of like a budget connected to delays and so forth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but again, again, from my experience, that ties into this just meeting your sites at eye level and just having yeah. this kind of partnership relationship because if you've built that, then you know when there's a database lock or an interim analysis, that's the kind of site where you could pick up the phone and just say, hey, data management just put in two new queries. Do you have two minutes to go in? Those sites are way more inclined to actually do that right away. Yeah, sure, I'll do that for you if you have that relationship. Yeah, and it's important to know who you're talking to. Like if it's the coordinator, but they also happen to be like a part owner of the company, you might be able to get your message across like, hey, I have to SDV this in order for you to get paid. That might work. If it's just an employee, I don't think that works as well. So you have to find something else in that case. Like maybe, hey, I'm going to help you do your job better or I'm going to help you, you know, like if they're really screwing up, which is the case I've had, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to like, let me help you keep your job because it's not good right like just to be honest with you it's not good right now and then having those kind of conversations they know that it's not just the script because i feel like a lot of cra's use this script like hey it's not me it's the sponsor and then they give them like a hundred action items it's like this can't all be the sponsor you know like they're not dumb so yeah it's just i guess one-on-one and knowing who you're talking to yeah 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 Okay, well, that's going to be annoying for everybody who does ICH GCP trainings to hear, <laughs> or any medical monitor doing the <laughs> training for HMA. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have, but actually the main factor, and I absolutely agree. I mean, we're, we're absolutely on the same page. I know that, of course, you have to know your shit. You have to know what you're doing, uh, but then absolutely. Have, have you noticed um, that those CRAs tend to come from a certain background that are easier to work with, or is no. that all over? The place? It's all over the place. I mean, 
I initially was expecting, you know, like, there's a lot of RNs that are CRAs. I was expecting them to be the mean ones. And it, there's no correlation, really, with background. It's just, I think it's just the person. Yeah, yeah. At least from what and, I've seen. Uh, At least from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, as, as we know, I mean, CRAs, the one unifying factor of all CRAs is they all come from a different background. So, yeah. yeah. You know what else, now that I'm thinking about it, like what I prefer a CRA from yeah. as a site, uh, when you call them and you really need something, like you have a question, you want to answer right away. It's kind of mm-hmm. like when you go to a doctor, like I just went to the vet today. So, you know, I went mm-hmm. with my dog's symptoms and he was a good vet, so he told me immediately like what it is over the phone before I even went in. Mm-hmm. The, the analogy with the CRA is, hey, I'm a site. I have a patient here. We don't know what to do. I'm calling the CRA. If he or she mm-hmm. says, hey, I have no idea. I need to find out with sponsor. I mean, that does you no good as a site. So I think mm-hmm. what it boils down to is the CRA needs to really know the protocol really well to be able to handle mm-hmm. those things because that's something that needs to be resolved immediately not in an hour or two or maybe the next day when the sponsor gets back to you so i think that's a big thing right there is just being prepared as a cra Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and like you say and knowing the protocol i mean obviously yeah as a cra but um yeah, I, mean, I think that also just increases with experience as a CRA because in the first couple of years, you're just so focused on just trying to manage all your stuff. Right. And then once you got that part figured out, that frees up bandwidth to actually then, you know, the more experience you have, the more you can just focus on those so things like the exact nuts and bolts of the that's protocol. That's what I tell the students in the academy. I tell them, look, you've got to learn the fundamentals like the blocking and tackling because that's just automatic like you just need to know that that's like breathing air you need to know that if you're a CRA what you want to spend the majority of your time on is learning your protocol like in and out without really needing to ask anybody for their advice because that means you don't know the protocol that well there's always going to be things where you need to ask sponsor medical monitor but if you need like a real if the site gives you a practical question and you don't have any type of practical solution the site mm-hmm. is just not going to count on you in the future and you know mm-hmm. then they're not going to give you what you need when you need to get it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely um kind of going back to CRAs on site from your site perspective um is there kind of like an ideal way that CRAs should manage that visit while they're on site and their interaction with you i mean obviously you don't want them knocking on your door every 3 minutes but <laughs> What would be your feedback there? Because I know CRAs, you know, for years and years, as a CRA, you're trying to organize your stuff because there's so much on your plate and you're traveling and sleeping in a hotel, whatnot, and so forth and so on, that you rarely ever think about how did these eight hours on site actually, what did that look like from a site's perspective? And, and what would they prefer? So as a site this is easier for me to answer than as a CRA because I'm probably the kind of CRA that gets up and goes to the coordinator's office as often as possible until they don't let me do it anymore. Um, (laughs) And that's probably, I know some coordinators that actually like that because they want to get things done in real time. But if -hmm. they're busy, if you see that they're seeing patients and it's just chaotic 
and and the same site might react differently on two different visits like one day they have tons of patients they don't have time to even say hi to you really they just give you your stuff and that's it and the other times you can tell okay well they have nothing going on so I can go interact more so I think you have to know the situation uh, CRAs I talk about this on my podcast a lot mainly as it pertains to business but CRAs I feel like they go in there I do too when I monitor with the blinders on like it's almost like they're unaware of anything else going on because it's just about their report and getting it done and Mm -hmm. yeah that's Mm -hmm. your deliverable but you may find yourself in a site that is like the coordinator can barely see the patient visits that day let alone deal with your 20 action items so you have to Mm -hmm. know you have to kind of take your blinders off a little and kind of know what kind of context you're dealing with on that particular day um so that's like as a site when I see that my CRA can respect that like if if we're not busy it's fine come in we can talk you know we can get work done but if we're seeing patients we don't have time for that like go do your SDV and let me know at the end of the day what I need to do and we'll do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it just depends it's all situational that's I think that's what makes it challenging somewhat even for advanced CRAs is you can go to the same site two different times and your your response should be different each of those times de- depending on their workload and depending obviously on what the sponsor is asking of you. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was always one of my first questions when I went on site before I even unpacked my laptop was what does your availability look like today to get exactly that kind of a feel. That's you know? good. I need to do more of that because I just get up go and if i see that they're not busy i'll start talking and sometimes they tell me to go back uh (laughs) most of the time most of the time they're okay but that's been my strategy but that's probably because i'm a hyper i'm probably not the greatest cra when it comes to organization like i could benefit from your class if i were a or your coaching if i were a full-time cra Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. I mean, most certainly, but most certainly, everybody who is monitoring can can profit from from the course that I provide. But I um, yeah, I'll I'll pitch it elsewhere. Not right, <laughs> not right now today. <clears throat> um, one of the many things during your introdu- introduction was that you uh, have the CRA Academy, and uh, again, we haven't spoken in two years. What would wow. you tell somebody about the CRA Academy? What's going on there that would be of interest of people that want to become CRAs that a are lot, watching. A lot, man. Um, a lot has changed. And so we're still only allowing 15 students a quarter. And so they go mm-hmm. on every three months. It's three months virtual. So weekly modules followed by a live weekly webinar uh, taught mm-hmm. by a CRA. That's not me. It's a mm-hmm. it's a good CRA, a better CRA uh, mm-hmm. than me full time. And then uh, after three months, there's a final, there's midterm. So you have to pass the class. If you pass, and we do have people fail, like 10%, sometimes as high as 20% fail, you get to take the course again. But if you pass, you get to do our internship, which now with COVID, we're offering remote internship, but uh, I still recommend the in-person. So we offer two studies now, two real studies that my CRO manages. It's It's a breast cancer study which is a pilot mm-hmm. study, and it's another pilot study for COVID-19. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited about the offerings. I mean, we're giving these students like pr- 
practical experience on their resumes. And yeah. when they go into job interviews, they can talk about exactly what they've done during yeah. their internship. And when they talk about writing their reports, and I'm the lead CRA in this role, so they the students send me their reports, and then I review them. I give them you know, feedback. I ask for revisions, just like a lead CRA would do. They understand. Mm-hmm. They start to learn the process better. And I've seen, I mean, if I have 15 students, they're all sending me basically the same report. But I know if you've, you've missed something because other students caught it or vice versa, then I know how mm-hmm. to give the feedback. And the students learn a lot through this process. And they've told me, the majority of them have told me, if it wasn't for the internship, the stuff you learn is just theoretical. I mean, like doing it there's no yeah. there's no substitute for actually doing it. So we try to focus on our academy on doing as much as possible. But of course, you need to pass the class first. You you need to learn the fundamentals. We're not going to do this straight internship, and then I have to teach you what GCP is and what a monitoring visit is. You got to learn that stuff first. Then you got to yeah. learn how that applies to a study. So I think that's kind of what makes our academy different from some of the other ones out there, at least from what I've heard, but I haven't taken any other courses. How long are those internships? So if they come in person to California, to L.A., it's a week. So they're here Monday through Friday. And then when they go back home, or if they just do it remotely from the beginning, typically it's three months. By the three-month mark, they're getting mm-hmm. interviews and hopefully getting hired. If not, then something's going on and they need to either do the internship again or just spend more time on it. But we've seen 50% of our students get hired in some capacity in research within six months of doing the course. So three months for the course, three months for the internship. About half of the students will get hired. For some, it takes a little longer. And then to be honest with you, some just give up or find another industry. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is sometimes. Yeah, happens if you have a group of people. Absolutely. Yep. What, what's kind of like an ideal candidate to uh, to apply for your CRA Academy? Bachelor's degree, uh, an interest in research. I guess understanding what it means to be a CRA. Because now, see, unlike two years ago, now we have a CRC Academy as well. So we used to have a lot of students in the CRA Academy that actually wanted to be a CRCs. So we Uh said, hey, basically take the course. You're going to learn the same thing. It's just from the other aspect of it. Uh, But now when I'm doing the pre-qualifications over the phone, I kind of talk to them for 15, 20 minutes, figure out what they think it means to be a CRA. Because Mm -hmm. oftentimes Mm -hmm. what they think it means and what actually is out in the wild are two different things. I'm sure you get this all the time too. Uh, So Mm -hmm. a lot of it's education and then showing them, hey, you know, there's so many other roles than just CRA. There's in-house CRA. There's a trial master file. There's startup specialist. There's CTA. There's court. There's all these other roles. Oftentimes, they don't know that. They just hear CRA because their friend makes, I don't know, six figures, and they're like, that sounds cool. Um, so that <laughs> there's a lot of education. So the ideal candidate is someone who understands all this. Uh, and it's usually after I have this conversation with them. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Especially the pay. I mean, we've talked about that during previous calls that that can be something that lures people in thinking like you say, wow, I'm going to make six figures. This sounds like easy money. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody told me, somebody uh, texted me, hey, 
two of my friends are CRAs and they make 300k. Is this possible? And I tell them, yeah. But I bet you they're like 10 years of experience and they're contractors and they're working like 60 hours a week and they're yeah. responsible for their own contracts. And I bet you they're getting burnt out and all that stuff. So yes, it's possible. Is that yeah. going to be you if you take my course? Um, definitely not. I <laughs> I might have a better chance of winning the lotto than that, or maybe comparable chance. But yeah, that's the a lot of it's education, bringing them back down to earth. Hey, you're probably gonna get like 60k to start, maybe 50. We're in a deflationary period right now. I don't want to start talking about finance, but I mm-hmm. I think there's a very real threat of deflation before inflation. So. You know, 60K, 55K. A lot of times people on the phone are making more than that and they don't want to do it after I have my conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but that that's really important because if you think that it, the money is going to be awesome and that's why CRA is <laughs> that's main motivation. I mean, la- last year I was still monitoring as a CRA and I had I had a series of 16 to 18 hour work days. Yeah, and you then see? It- Popped off by a 22-hour workday. That was like a record <laughs> in a few weeks of 14 to 16-hour workdays. So, yeah. like you say, there's people out there who can make 300k a year if they're contractors and so forth and so on. Um, but if I if I had an alter ego, uh, evil Dan, let's call him Evil Dan. Man, mm-hmm. I could fill this thing up to like thirty. I'd just tell everybody what they want to hear. Yeah, you're gonna make all that money. Oh, you're a, you're a mom with kids. Don't worry, you could work from home. It's all nope. nonsense, man. Like I've yeah. turned away probably more, not turned away, but I've convinced them not to do it more than I've had students join. So, you know, this is why we do the fifteen a quarter because we want to make sure everybody's like the appropriate student for the for the course. Yeah, yeah, quality over quantity. And yeah. long, long term, yeah, absolutely. What's what's your outlook right now? As we're talking uh, now, it's uh, June 29th in twenty twenty. COVID is going on all over the place. What's what's kind of your outlook on the job market for CRAs right now? And what do you see in your crystal ball? So what I'm seeing is, uh, and I'm sure you're seeing it too. But from the site level, I can kind of see more than as a contractor. Mm-hmm. So from the site level, we're seeing since March, since the lockdowns first started, survey feasibility survey after feasibility survey. And now in June, we started doing our virtual site selection visits. So And now we're getting selected and now we're in startup mode. So I'm seeing a lot of these new studies coming out. I'm, I am seeing a lot of recruiters, headhunters on LinkedIn asking me, hey, I need to hire a coordinator. I need to hire a CRA. Do you know anybody? I'm seeing a lot more of that uh, so remember, and I, we haven't talked for two years, which is crazy, but 2019 was a record year for research as far as the amount of studies that were out there. 2020 was on pace to be even bigger, and it still might be. I mean, even with the three-month pause, it'll be at least the same amount of activity as it was last year, if not more. If you count all the COVID studies, I mean, it's going to be more. So the demand is still there. The supply is not. I mean, nothing's changed since we talked. There's still mm-hmm. a shortage of CRAs. There's still a shortage of coordinators. But they want good. They want people that have some experience or at least have a working knowledge of the job. So this is what we're really focusing on in the CRC and CRA academies right now is, hey, you may not have the experience. By the time you're done with us, you're only going to have six months. 
but beggars can be choosers. They need people. So go to the interview, tell them what you've done, and you'll be amazed what happens. The, that that one year or more of experience, two years or more, that's more wishful thinking. That's not necessarily what they're going to be able to get in the marketplace. And that's what sponsors tell recruiters because they want the recruiter. They're paying the recruiter. So they're, they want the recruiter to bring them somebody that they couldn't have gotten on their own. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not going to consider you if you have less than two years experience. It's all about what you know. That's just a way for them to say, you better know what, what you're talking about if we're going to interview you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of one of the, one of the great perks of uh, my own course that I offer is exactly those first two years is, is trying to organize all your stuff is figuring out how do I stay on top of, one million things and 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 showing people in one day how to do that with all the tools and so forth and so on but exactly what you say with these two years experience and it kind of being wishful thinking uh i i kind of see it the same way but i have been hearing from from a handful of cras that they've been finding it hard to find new work right now as a cra simply because during covid no travel and uh, that right now it looks like companies are not hiring like crazy. But on the other hand, kind of what you say, the way I see it is is also what I've heard from others is due to COVID, we have the COVID trials. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, everything else that was planned for 2020 is just put on hold with just a bigger and bigger and bigger backlog. I mean, you and I know how far ahead trials are planned. And yeah. uh, that. Actually, once travel reopens, it's kind of my gut feeling, at least of the market, is there's no way they're going to find enough CRAs at that point to, to cover all of that work at that time. What's, no. what's your take on that? Well, or, yeah, I agree. And also, the, all the ones that were furloughed, you know, the majority yeah. of them got hired, rehired by a competitor. Um, I mean, I've I've interviewed people who've been furloughed and then got hired as CRAs. Uh, They were furloughed as coordinators, got hired as CRAs, and that was their dream job anyway. So um, I do think – see, there's an interesting – so we talk about deflation, and I don't want to make this about finance at all, but I am interested in this stuff. So I'm wondering if this could have been an excuse to – furlough some of the higher salary people to bring in lower salaried people to replace mm-hmm. them because I'm I'm hearing that as well. I'm hearing what you said but I'm also hearing what I said earlier like people are That's hiring right. like crazy so I don't know what's going on but do I think these experienced people that are probably I mean they deserve it but they're maybe overpaid compared to the national average for that position if they're just going to mm-hmm. get hired by a competitor or are all these people going to go independent contractor? Because the studies are still there. I mean, there's a huge demand for these people. So I, I think there's a little bit of both going on. Uh, and good news, though, mm-hmm. flights are now back to full capacity in the United States mm-hmm. as of June 29th. I think it was yesterday. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if that's going to change things. I don't know if CRAs are comfortable flying. I don't know if that's another thing where they're like, hey, if you're not comfortable flying... Maybe we're going to bring someone in who is. I don't know because I'm not at a big CRO where I'm having these conversations. Um, But, yeah, I can see both things happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I, I could easily imagine that there's somebody sitting in front of a spreadsheet deciding, okay, let's cut 20% of the higher paid CRAs and hire some more junior CRAs. Especially if I the mean, line I, of thinking is sponsors are not expecting high quality right now with remote. So maybe we can, mm-hmm. you know, it's just theory, but maybe we can, you know, yeah. sh- shave some profit margins for us. And But that's short-sighted. I mean, these people are going to get rehired. That's these cool. are assets for companies yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i can't i can't tell you how many sites i took over from other cras during my career and then you do a real monitoring visit and you leave i left the site on average it was always north of 25 follow-up items Hmm. i had a record site where in on a one-day imd i identified 50 follow-up items exactly 50. (laughs) 51 exactly 50 in, in hours i was barely able to write them all down in that time but um yeah there's there's definitely and usually my average was 25 to 35 follow-up items and i never had any issues with my sites hating me for it mm-hmm. kind of because mm-hmm. of that attitude because i always had that attitude you know and i take the edge off even the fda and just saying you know I'm not here to prove that I'm the smartest person on the planet. I'm not here to bug you. Um, I'm just here to make sure that none of us have any issues should there ever be an audit or an inspection. And I'd go through every item with the site, and they understood, yeah, it makes sense. This yeah. should be filed. We wouldn't, yeah, absolutely. Do you think, but, uh, um, do you think that the CRO, so you know how the SMOs kind of got ran out of town in the 90s and early 2000s? And I've talked to a bunch of super smart people in this space way more experienced than me and they were saying the same thing's going to happen to the CROs because they're treating it too much like a business I mean most of the big CROs are all publicly traded now so they're Mm -hmm. after the quarterly earnings more than anything else and with the 2016 GCP revision sponsors have to do more of the work anyways they're they're seeing they think at least this is one school of thought that sponsors are going to start hiring their own monitors again. And CROs, I don't know if they'll ever disappear, but they're going to lose some of that market share. I don't know if you're seeing that from your end. I haven't heard any of that from my contacts that I'm talking with, which doesn't mean it's not true or not not, uh, (laughs) not possible. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh, the first time I've been hearing that um, from... From from my network, it's just I mean same old same old for the last thirty years. CROs are growing and growing and growing and growing. But like what you say with them being publicly traded and looking more at their quarterly numbers, I don't really think this is the ideal industry for that because it's patient safety. I mean, it's especially the CRA role, but same with every other role. It's mainly about patient safety and. And kind of like you know, you pluck a CRA out of uh, off of a study who finds twenty five items and so forth and so on, and then you have to replace them with two junior CRAs. But you think it's cheaper, or well, one junior CRA, <laughs> but you get less quality. We're we're not talking about Adidas shoes where the soles are going to fall <laughs> off sooner if they screw up in in, in in QC. We're talking about patients that are taking study drug in a research trial and it's research because we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Um, and I mean, I have this conversation often with people where I tell them, you know, the CRA literally is the patient's last line of defense. Yeah. 
if there's something fishy going on within a site team or, or anything else where you're like, mm, if the CRA doesn't catch it, most likely much more harm will be done by the time it is discovered by other means. So it's really, really not the area to be penny pinching and only looking at a spreadsheet of your uh, of your labor costs for your team and trying to <laughs> cut out some more profit there. Um, yeah, because the CRAs with like 10, 20 years experience, you just can't really replace that with somebody who's just brand new. If um, this theory is true, you know, with the cutting costs, short, short-sighted uh, business management, if it's true, and this is what this person told me as well, we're going to see an increase in SWAT monitoring by the end of the year. <laughs> so all those experienced CRAs that got furloughed, you might have an even higher posi- higher paid position very soon uh, as a SWAT monitor uh, <laughs> for all these emergencies. It'd be shocking, Dan, wouldn't it? It'd be the first time that this industry ever made a wrong decision and then regretted it and was backpedaling. I mean, I've never experienced that before at any other company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Let me see. I had a couple of other things. I just want to make sure that I cover all the topics. I want to make sure that I go over with the clinical trials guru on this call. So uh, let me see. Yeah, a long-term outlook for the CRA job market. What do you see there? If we're talking five years, 10 years, 15 years, I have people who've been telling me 15 years from now, this job's no longer going to exist. Hmm. It depends. Will the site will the sites all switch to e-source, and then will we have an AI capable of doing SDR, not SDV, but SDR, as mm-hmm. well as a human? I don't see that happening. I see CRAs working with the technologies. Now the question is, will we need as many CRAs? Probably, if this trajectory of new studies keeps growing, like they're doing, they're starting to do studies now for one patient. Like they're designing studies for mm-hmm. one patient. I mean, that's not going to be the norm, but you still need monitors for those things. So I think that 15 years is a long time. I mean, if you think about 15 years ago, it was 2005. Most people didn't have um, phones that could go on the internet. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you were like cool if you had a BlackBerry. I remember I was at the uh, mm-hmm. I was at the mall in 2005 with my trio, and I was mm-hmm. on the internet, and I was waiting for my at the time my girlfriend, now my wife, to shop, mm-hmm. and I was just you know cruising online like thought it was cool. These people walked by me and said, "Hey, are you on the internet with that thing? That's cool." I mean, who asks now? You know, this are is you like- a time traveler? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that was only 15 years ago. So 15 years from now, who knows what's going to change? I think a lot of it depends on whether sites adapt to e-source, because if mm-hmm. you do e-source and then everything's already EDC, it will be easier for algorithms to kind of see trends and. Maybe just flag things for the CRAs. Maybe the CRAs job gets easier um, in a way. Maybe they can do more remotely. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going away. Just like I don't think the sites are going away either. I know with this whole push for virtual trials, 
I think there's a place for virtual trial. I don't think it's at the expense of losing sites. I think, again, it's just more studies. They're, they're going to grow the market, in my opinion. Now, will we have market cycles of fluctuations? Yeah. I mean, can we have another 07, 08 Great Recession, but even worse? Yeah, we can. Mm-hmm. But uh, long term, I think CRAs are still here. I think sites are still safe. I think CRAs are still safe. I think being a generalist, which is what I talk about all the time, mm-hmm is probably yeah. the best thing anyone can do for themselves. I mean, yeah, you're a specialist, it's great, but you need to learn more. You need to learn to do more. Because I think the economy is going to shift to, can you do more for us for less? So we can only need one person instead of two. So I think that might happen more than CRAs being extinct. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, it's unbelievable that that job would become even more complex at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, could be easier too if the machines are doing all the flagging. You know, like I mean, mm-hmm. how much time do you spend? You're you're organized as hell, so you probably don't spend time. But for me, when I monitor, one of the biggest things, that, like one of my biggest challenges, is and time-consuming things is is this patient out of window for this visit. Like every single patient, that's the first thing I look at, really. And sometimes the EDC uh, flags it right away, but usually it doesn't. So things like that, I think, will be less important in the future. I think the machines will flag these things. But then that will open up who knows how many more cans of worms. Who knows how many protocol deviations are going unreported now because CRAs are not looking. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that again ties into, you know, just being overworked. And then like I was talking about earlier, and even the CRA coach last year had like 16 hour workdays in series just because it was absolutely insane amount of work. And that often happens to CRAs where you just have these peaks where there's just way too much uh, to be done. And I'm thinking if, if it weren't me, like you say, thanks for the compliment of being super organized, but oh, yeah. if it's somebody who's not that organized, what you going to do, a 24-hour workday? I mean, you have to cut corners then somewhere eventually. It's just a reality. I mean, any CRA manager listening to this interview is not going to like to hear this or any project manager, mm-hmm. but it's the way it is. A day has a certain amount of hours, and if your CRAs can't do that, I can tell you they'll start cutting corners. Uh, I mean, it's, it's human, human nature. And machines human. don't cut corners, but machines can't do yeah. certain things, you know, like getting sites to be compliant. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, if a, if a, if you set up an EDC to start emailing sites every time there's a deviation or a query, are you, they're going to be ignored within, like, a day. They're going to just stop stop responding. So you're always yeah. going to need humans and soft skills and all that stuff that I talk about, which people think is, like, you know, not important. It's important. That machine's going to end up doing the technical stuff, but you're going to have to do the the compliance, the human side of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would also, looking into the future, only see maybe a reduction in, in workforce for CRAs because one CRA could cover more sites if AI or, or if general systems just automate more stuff. And it's a great example what you gave with the visit window deviations. I mean, duh, any computer can do that. You know, why, why waste salary on a CRA to sit there and manually confirm visit dates if it's all in a friggin' EDC or a CTMS system. Right, the right. System- Technology tends to make things more efficient uh, and cheaper. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. look at the economy pre-industrial revolution and after. Uh, 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. basically the price of everything went down with a lower workforce, except maybe like barbers. You know, I think it's the same cost when you convert the money to today to get a haircut as it was in like 1700s, because there's not much mm-hmm. new technology there. But everything else, like food processing, uh, making cars, making the like, are you kidding? Everything. So why wouldn't that be the case with research as well? But that doesn't mean that we're not going to need people in research. You're just going to be doing something slightly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, when I introduced you in this call, uh, I mean, I went through a whole bunch of stuff. What is, from all these things you're doing, what is your hot topic right now that keeps you busy from morning till evening? Wow. 50 things, or is there one hot topic going on right now for on your end? It's going to sound cliche because of what's going on in the news, but diversity mm-hmm. in clinical research, um, mm-hmm. it's a real issue. Uh, patients now, you mean? Patients. Patients. Mm-hmm. I think our industry yeah. does really good as far as hiring uh, diversity. Yeah. Um, That's, I would that. Yeah, but giving the opportunities to minorities, you know, African-Americans, Hispanics, they tend to not join studies, and that's a, pro- you know, it that's that's a real problem. Not, that's a problem for society. So that's something recently that I've been working on. I've been approached by two sponsors trying to tackle this thing, and my theory is it starts from the site level. Like, there's no mm-hmm. campaign you can run on TV at the next Super Bowl to get more minorities to join studies. They don't trust pharma. That's not going to mm-hmm. happen. What you need to do is get more research-naive investigators, more research-naive physicians in those communities to understand what research is and to teach them how they can start their own clinic in their own practice. I mean, starting your own clinic sounds so intimidating, but if you already have your own private practice, you don't really need to do much more. You need to hire, hire a coordinator and you need to learn the basics. And then basically that's what DSCS has been doing is bringing up these research-naive investigators and getting them involved in research. That's how you grow diversity in research. Of course, it's very difficult and sponsors would rather put a Super Bowl ad because it's better optics. But mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, the only way to do that is to get more research-naive investigators in those minority communities to participate in research. And that's what we're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And not just yeah. for diversity. I mean, we need more research-naive physicians, period. We need fresh bodies in these studies. So we can't just keep having the same people joining our studies. And mm-hmm. so, but of course, if you want more more diversity, it's the same same route you gotta go. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So that's what your hustle is right now is trying to get physicians motivated in those neighborhoods to educate them about clinical research and their options. Or that's what it's always been since we started the consulting, or and which evolved into a site network around 2014. We just mm-hmm. didn't realize the impact it could have you know we were just because of youtube doctors would call and say hey i want to i want to like learn more about doing research so then we like this business kind of evolved but to make a true impact on this we need to reach those doctors that are not on youtube looking for how do i start a clinical research site because they don't even know that that's a possibility for them this is why we're doing the clinical scoop 
uh, we're trying to target those doctors who are not yet aware that they can actually do research. My YouTube channel targets the doctors who already became aware somehow. They just don't know how. Yeah, yeah. We need even yeah. more because that's not enough to move the needle. I mean, it's enough to boost our revenue for my small company. As we had a great year last year. We're going to have another great year this year. But that's not enough mm-hmm. to make an impact in the industry, um, mm-hmm. you know, at, at scale, at scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That is uh, that is awesome. I'd like to wrap it up at this point. Um, we do have a, another interview scheduled back to back. Yes. Want to make sure that we do have enough time for that one. But let's wrap this one up for today. Thanks so so much for taking the time, Dan. Uh, really really appreciate it. I hope all you viewers got some content and uh, helpful info out of this. Um, yeah, and I hope to see you again soon on my channel. I'll be reaching out to you. <laughs> Keep the channel going, man. It's a good. We need more of that kind of content out there. Yeah, I mean that was really the main motivation. You know, you know as well as I do. In this industry, you kind of always have this feeling that because you're always learning, that you don't really know that much. It's kind of like at least I feel that way. You know, heck, I coach CRAs, but still you have this feeling. And uh, because you're always learning new stuff and, and learning more stuff, and uh, and but there's so much that you know after ten years or even longer in your case, that there's so much to share. You know that that is helpful for other people because it takes years and years and years in the super busy industry where you're picking up a little bit info here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and uh, for CRAs to have like one place where you can just binge on a couple of videos and just see, wow, okay, this is helpful, that's helpful, that's helpful, and practical. And practical stuff i think there's a huge opportunity there so yeah keep it going i'm subscribed i'm gonna keep uh, watching and uh learn some things myself okay thank you so much awesome i will see you later (laughs) take care take care dan so hey everybody thank you very much for listening to another episode of random musings from the clinical trials guru again if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to this podcast make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind please uh, and also go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who i am who some of my guests are uh, you can have access to some of my youtube videos uh, i do a lot of videos about clinical research so go to the clinical trials guru.com and you can also call or text me anytime 949-415-6256 also follow me on any social media platform it's dan svera and you can also email me if you'd like dan at the clinical trials guru.com thank you very much